This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 875, Your Salary is Not Your Self-Worth, and Why I Gave Myself Permission to Earn Less, part two, by Kate Flanders of kateflanders.com. And I'm Dan, I'm your host here on the show. Very happy Friday to you. Hope it's been a great week for you. And this is, of course, where I read to you from some of the best personal finance blogs on the planet. Before I do that today, I want to thank our friends at Halpern Financial. You've probably thought about what financial success means to you, but do you know how to get there? The trained consultants at Halpern Financial can help you create a financial plan to make your goals a reality. Find out how close you are to achieving your financial goals at halpernfinancial.com slash OFD. That's H-A-L-P-E-R-N financial.com slash OFD. And today's article is a continuation from yesterday, so if you're new here or skipping around, it would be best to hear yesterday's episode first. That's episode 874. But if you're all caught up, let's get right to part two of this post as we continue optimizing your life. Your salary is not your self-worth and why I gave myself permission to earn less. Part two by Kate Flanders of kateflanders.com. When I quit my full-time job, I was making $64,000 a year, which is $49,000 US dollars today. In my first six months of self-employment, I grossed $57,000, or $44,000 US. I'll admit, it felt awesome at the time. Not only had I proven I could survive on my own, I was making more money than ever. Things were so good, I started talking numbers with some of my other self-employed friends. We cheered each other on, celebrated our first months where we earned over $10,000, and shared our final numbers for the year. I was among the lowest earners, $89,000 or $68,500 US, which included six months of my full-time job. But if I could repeat the six months I'd just had, I could easily make $100,000 in 2016. So I set that goal for myself. I even wrote it on the back of a Christmas card I sent to another self-employed friend and told her to set a goal too so we could reflect on it at the end of the year. I kid you not, that card changed everything for me. I didn't think twice about it when I popped it in the mail, but my mindset shifted drastically again over the holidays. As I let life slow down a bit, I began to realize how much work it actually took to earn that $57,000 and how exhausted I was. I also reflected on how much time I had spent doing what I truly loved, spending time with people and traveling. And the truth was that I'd said no to more invitations and opportunities than yes. This wasn't what I'd signed up for. I didn't quit my job to spend more time working and less time doing what I wanted. I quit because I wanted the freedom to build the life I had dreamed about during all those years I was working full-time at a job and part-time on the side. One part of that dream was that I'd wanted to be able to work on my blog and personal projects first thing every morning, and I wasn't even doing that. It was client work first, my own work second, my friends and passions last. And no amount of money was worth continuing to live with my priorities in that order. So I let go of that goal. Actually, 2016 has been the first year in nearly six years of blogging where I've found it nearly impossible to set goals for myself. It started on January 1st when I couldn't come up with a single resolution I wanted to make or could possibly commit to for an entire year. I was also tired of setting monthly goals like read four books or work out 20 times because dozens of updates with red fail marks beside them taught me there must be a better way. I've tried to set quarterly goals, which has been a bit better, though I've still crossed out many with the old red marker. The truth is, I've only had one goal this year, to do whatever makes me happy. It is perhaps one of the most selfish and short-sighted goals I've ever made, but it's also paid off, which is surprising since I've also been making less money than I have in years. 
As of this moment, I've grossed just over $30,000, 23,000 US, in 2016. If things continue as they are, I may finish the year with a $60,000 salary. I could look at those numbers and feel like I'm failing. Six months ago, I set out to earn 100,000 and I may miss that goal by as much as 40,000. So I could compare myself to my own goal or compare myself to my other self-employed friends and feel like I'm failing to reach my goal, falling behind, not cashing in on my earning potential, etc., etc. But the decision to earn less has been 100% intentional and I'm 100% happier for it. Instead of chasing dollar signs, I've been chasing my goals. I've put my own projects, like my book proposal, which I finally completed earlier this month, ahead of client work. I've let a few clients go and built stronger relationships with the ones I've kept. And I built my schedule in a way that my relationships now take priority. For example, Tuesdays, adventure days. And I have more open availability to say yes to last minute breakfast or hiking dates. When I wake up every morning now, I'm happy. Of course, nobody aspires to earn less or truly wants to take a salary cut. I know that earning more would help me save more, travel more, and speed up the date at which I could eventually retire. But for 2016, I intentionally decided that my goal is to determine my baseline for happiness first, so anything else is simply a bonus. Knowing my personal needs and wants, I would say $60,000 is my baseline because it allows me to do a little bit of everything, live, save, and travel. I'm always happy to talk numbers with you. In fact, I think it's really important to talk about this stuff. The more open and honest we are, the more we can learn from one another. This is a belief I've always had and recently learned that I share with another online friend, Chelsea Fagan. So when I tell you that 60,000 is my baseline, it's not because I want anyone to compare their numbers to mine, those who earn both less and more. I'm telling you because I want you to figure out what that number is for you. I know I need about $2,000 a month to live. I like to save at least 1,000 and I also like to travel. Earning $60,000 lets me do all of that, even after setting aside 30% for taxes. And the more I think about this and talk about it, the more excited I am that I could finish 2016 by saying that all my bases were covered and I was happy. When I look back at how I measured my success at work in the past, I can finally see that the problem wasn't simply that I was comparing myself to others. It was that I let my salary make up a portion of my self-worth. When I made $64,000 and saw other people make more, I felt bad about myself. Why wasn't I worth that much? What was I doing wrong? The answer was nothing. In all my jobs, I earned an appropriate amount for the position I was in at the company I worked for, but I couldn't see it at the time. Back then, I only saw dollar amounts and they made me feel awful. Now I have to wonder, how cool would it be if we measured our success at the end of each year by the things we did rather than how much money we earned? I want to get to the end of 2016 and say I recovered from surgery, done, got back into running, finally wrote my book proposal, done, explored more of BC, went on a road trip, and spent more time with the people I love. I'm sure I'll add more work-related tasks to that list along the way, but we're halfway through the year and I already feel like it's been a success. And it's okay if numbers come into it. For example, if you want to earn $100,000 a year so you can save 50% of your income and retire by the time you're 40, that's awesome. You've set a goal and the money will help you reach it. But I don't want to get to the end of the year and proclaim I made some arbitrary amount as though it's a measure of my success. The numbers don't mean anything if they don't serve a purpose in helping you live the life you want. You just listened to part two of the post titled Your Salary is Not Your Self-Worth and why I gave myself permission to earn less 
by Kate Flanders of kateflanders.com. And thanks again to Halpern Financial for their support. When it comes to financial advisors, you want someone who has your best interests at heart. You want someone who will listen to your plans and your concerns. You don't want an advisor who's more focused on how much they're going to earn from their commissions that month. I'm glad to tell you that Halpern Financial is a fiduciary, independent, and fee-only advisor. It offers a range of online tools for you to achieve your goals. Their consultants provide a personal touch, which lets you know that your goals are much more than cold, hard numbers. Find out how close you are to achieving your financial goals at helpernfinancial.com slash OFD. That's H-A-L-P-E-R-N financial.com slash OFD. All right, that's gonna do it for today and for this week here at Optimal Finance Daily. Thank you so much for being a regular listener and for telling your friends about the show too. Have a great weekend and I'll see you back here on Monday where your optimal life awaits.